this is my dream. This is all my eggs in one basket. This is who I am. This is my drive. I want to be one of the best. CCR number 91, December 23rd, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by PanthersFans.com. Cats fans, get your Carolina Panthers fixed with all the guys and gals over at PanthersFans.com. Stay up to date with all the latest news, transactions, and discussions only at PanthersFans.com. CCR. D'Angelo Williams, 30, 25, 10, 5, hot stop! Maybe Nam's in the building. Still on the mission, though. Still on the mission. Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, we are joined by Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. Tom Sorensen of the Charlotte Observer takes time to provide his insights. Nick Yeoman is back to give us the fans' perspective. We'll hear from the enemy, and we have a recap of the victory over the Vikings. Backs in the eye. Second down, goal from the one-yard line. Steve Smith in motion from right to left. Matt Moore to throw, wide open. Brad Hoover, caught, touchdown, Carolina Panthers. 6-0, Adrian the single set. Two receivers left, one right, handoff Adrian. Starts up the middle, lowers the helmet at the two, and Chris Harris buried him. But Adrian got out of it! Third down, 26. Moore sets up the throw, slips, but recovers, gets the ball away, long and right. Steve Smith makes the grab, and he scores a touchdown. Wing eye to the right, Moore takes. Hands the ball to Stewart. Stewart working left to the two-yard line, and he breaks away, and house is in left side. Wow! Here's a play-action fake, Matt Moore rolling out, rolling out. Oh, and he's... Throwing the ball down the field to the right. Gary Barnage, who pulls away. Barnage, 20. Trucking dudes to the five-yard line. Then motion to the right. Matt Moore retreats to throw. Matt Moore looking end zone. Throwing left side. Complete. Stewart. Touchdown, Panthers. A lot of people around the National Football League did not see this coming, but the Carolina Panthers deliver a beating to the Minnesota Vikings, especially in the second half. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. The Carolina Panthers took down a Super Bowl favorite. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. The debate over who should be the starting quarterback going forward is growing louder by the day especially considering that Matt Moore had a career night versus the Minnesota Vikings. He posted personal bests in this game, hitting on 21 of 33 for 299 yards and three touchdowns. More importantly, he didn't throw a single interception. Moore's play, coupled with Jonathan Stewart's 25 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown, got the offense moving for the first time in weeks. This also marks the first time that a running back had rushed for 100 yards versus Minnesota in 37 games. The defense also stepped up huge in this one as they held Adrian Peterson to 35 yards on 12 carries. Topping off their performance, Brett Favre was sacked four times all by different players and was held to 224 yards passing. It was a great performance by the Panthers who'd been left with nothing to play for but pride. Still, it begs the question, where has this been all season? We'll turn it over to the fans to allow them to voice their opinions. Hello. 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 Who's there? Quack. 
It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. Hey, this is the Don Dad. I'm just calling because uh, that was a great game. I just think the uh, I think Matt Moore's got a real shot at being the future of this team. Uh, I've, I've been thinking that. He had a couple games where I thought maybe maybe I doubted that for a little bit, but I really think he's got what it takes. He's got that gumption, you know, that, that special quality. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give my two cents in that. Good game, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to next season still. <laughs> Already, I guess. All right, like Hey, Tech Fave Radio. This is Eric Quackenbush. Oh, great win by the Panthers tonight. Uh, good job by Matt Moore. Great job by the running game. Good job by the tight end, Steve Smith, defense. Everybody looked really good. Once everybody got warmed up, it all looked good. So much, uh, much needed win and a deserved win for those Panthers fans who have stuck it out this season. And uh, hopefully we can see another one next week. If not, it was definitely refreshing to see uh, what this team can do when it has nothing to play for. So, um, hey, go get them again next week and uh, look forward to hearing the 91st edition of Cat Crave Radio this week. Bye. Hey guys, it's Case Evan Roger. Uh, enjoy the show as always. Don't have anything bad to say. Great win. I uh, just wish that we had that heart and desire and pride all year long. I'll blame the coaches. But hey, it's a win. Love it. Have a good day. Bye-bye. I want to thank all of you for calling in this week, and of course, thanks for listening. You know, without listeners like yourselves, I'm left talking to myself each week. If you want to add your thoughts to the show, call us on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673 and leave us a message. Tell the world how you feel about the Carolina Panthers. That number again is 206-350-9673. The victory over the Vikings, as unexpected as it was, raises the Panthers' record to 6-8 and eight on the year. They've been eliminated from the playoffs, so what's left to play for? Will they play for pride? Will they play to keep John Fox around next year as their coach? Whatever they're playing for, it better get them motivated as this week marks their second trip to the Meadowlands as they take on the New York Giants. You're not playing for pride. You're not, you know, honestly, you're not playing for purpose. You're not playing for all those uh, trivial things that you guys uh, want to put it on. The bottom line is, you know, we play this game, but it's also our job. There's a lot of men in there, and there's a lot of young men in there. Um, this is their lifelong dream. These are the reasons playing this game is, is means more to them than you can explain with words. And so it's really not, it's not a really a, a word you can say, you know, it's, it's these are dreams. And these are opportunities that myself, when I was a little boy back home, you know, you you want to be those things. You want to you want to be that player on the field catching a touchdown or making a key block or catching a pass. It's not for pride in that stuff, you know. It's not even actually for money. It's for a lifelong dream. It's time once again for the Panther preview. Boy, Smitty makes it sound like I mean, he's kind of an idealist, I suppose, you know. The guy, you know, saying all the guys out in that locker room, young or old, they're here to fulfill a dream. Well, they got a chance, if they were dreaming anyway, about beating the Minnesota Vikings. Thank goodness they won a game. Joining us now is Nick Yeoman. Nick, uh, maybe the players are just happy to be in the NFL, but where in the world has that been all season? Good question. That is the million-dollar question, and I have no idea. But it was a breath of fresh air. It was great to see. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, a little frustrating because you just kind of wonder what could have been because, boy, they looked incredible uh, Sunday night against the Vikings. And this with 10 guys on, on the injured reserve, 
they're not coming back with with either of their tackles. Thomas Davis, who was starting off the season with enormous numbers, I mean that that's it was very impressive. But what really got me was Matt Moore. I mean the guy hits uh, what twenty one out of thirty three, has two ninety nine, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean great numbers. So is it time to how do I say this nicely? Reevaluate Matty Suffice. Oh, I think it is. I think it is. Like I, I still don't know. I don't want to jump to conclusions. That's the thing that you worry about, and, and that I've already seen from a lot of fans jumping to conclusions that that maybe Matt Matty Suffice uh, will do just that and suffice as a quarterback for the Panthers. But yeah, I think you got to take a look at him, and I think he certainly needs to be around in the off season, and he needs to get a, at least an opportunity to compete for the starting job uh, next year because that game against Minnesota was fantastic. Now you just wonder, string together, you know, two or three good games to close out the season. He looks more confident and and comfortable uh, in the pocket throwing the football, and maybe that's just going to come with time. But, uh, yeah, I think it's probably time to to reevaluate and and think about whether he uh, is certainly a a potential candidate to be a starter down the road. One thing we know that the team has to evaluate as soon as the season is over, if they're not already doing it, and I'm sure quietly they are, and that is, do we keep John Fox in Charlotte. I mean, is he going to be our head coach? Well, then we've got guys like Ryan Khalil, very intelligent guy, smart dude, well-spoken and all that, but he comes out in support of John Fox. He says, don't let Fox go. Don't let any of the coaches go. He's even in support, God forbid, of Jeff Davidson, who I'm not a fan of, but are these guys, I mean, are they playing, if they're playing just to keep Fox around, I mean, a little too little, a little too late? I mean, what's what's going on here? Oh, I think it, it, it's certainly just a little too late, especially because if you're going to be playing for your coach, you probably should have thought of that much earlier in the season when you drop those first two or three games. That's when you need to start thinking about playing for your coach. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting because, you know, from an outside perspective, if you're a fan of one of the you know 31 other teams in the NFL, you're looking at John Fox and you're probably holding him in high regard and thinking of him as, as one of those coaches that you'd die to get. Uh, but as Panthers fans, we've seen the good and the bad, the inconsistent seasons, uh, and a lot of times not getting the answers from them that you'd like to hear. So it's going to be interesting. I've I loved what John Fox has done with this team and he's done with this franchise. But uh, at the same time, I do buy into the idea that, you know, sometimes things just take their toll and, and you got to move on whether you like it or not and you got to forget about the past. But it's going to be interesting. Um, if these players close out the season and they finish 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, it's going to put one heck of a decision on the desk of Jerry Richardson. Yeah, and I would say we have a lot of time to talk about this in the offseason, but in a way we don't because i got a feeling they'll make a decision quickly. Either they'll re-sign him to, a, say, a one- or two-year extension, or he's gone and gone quickly, but one guy we never want to see leave. It doesn't matter how many people he punches in the nose. Smitty, I mean, the guy, he complained early in the season he wasn't an asset to the team. He wasn't getting the ball throw him, thrown to him. You know, throw me the damn ball. Well, Smitty was getting the ball thrown to him on Sunday night. Puts up nine catches, 157. Smitty is an asset again. Well, yeah, and, and for all the people that, that hate when they, you know, they we all hate that Smitty has the anger management issues and, the, you know, we punch his teammates occasionally. And I know a lot of people that complain about his jaw on the sideline and all the talking he does, but 
man, you just you got to respect what this guy does each and every Sunday, whether it's win or lose. He's going to give it his all, and uh, and he plays with so much fire and passion. And it was great to see him finally break through and have that big game that we've all been waiting for all season. And, and hopefully that quiets any of the ideas that maybe Steve Smith is an option that you need to look at during the offseason or what you're going to do with his future. He needs to stay in a Carolina Panther uniform. They need to get another wide receiver opposite of him uh, that can, can take a little pressure off of him that, that Matt Moore or the future quarterback of the Panthers can have more than just one option. And uh, you got to keep 89. He's, hey, he's, he's establishing the rules and regulations of the game, which is 89, bottom line. you got to keep him in a Panthers uniform, John. Well, in an interesting game, this one, I mean, it, the the defense, boy, the, the numbers that the Vikings came out of there with, not so good. I think Adrian Peterson only carried 12 times, had 35 yards. I think Brett Favre had 220, 224 for the game. They just minimized what the Vikings offense did on Sunday night. I think the third-ranked offense in the league, or third or fourth, the defense played a decent game. Let's give them a grade. Um, I would give the defense an A. I really would, especially when you consider, uh, like you said, they're going up against some household names, some guys that have been getting it done all year, like Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson. Julius Peppers was a monster on that defensive line. It was good to see Everett Brown was out there making plays, and, and I think you just you have to give this defense an A. They've been playing great all year, and finally in the second half they were able to get a little help, and, and it turned out uh, to be a win. But I think the defense is well-deserving of an A. They started off slow, got the early touchdown, had the extra point blocked, all that good stuff, and then late third quarter, early fourth, really got it going. Let's grade that offense. Well, yeah, you mentioned that they started slow, and, and, you know, if you look at statistics alone, I'd give them a B. But when you consider, hey, you know, two offensive tackles that are out, D'Angelo Williams was knocked out of the game. You got a backup quarterback in there. When you take all of those, you know, all of those factors, I think the offense deserves an A. I mean, they might have only played one great quarter of football, which was in the fourth, uh, but it was enough to get the job done. And, uh, hey, when you're moving guys in and out of the lineup, it's going to take some time to gel. But uh, they did it in one game, and I think the offense is deserving of an A. I think that's probably the first A I've given the offense all year. And the first time you've given both offense and defense an A for the season two, or in any game. Well, yeah, it was, and it was. It was, you know, maybe not a complete four-quarter effort, but for a team that we've seen play, you know, a half or a quarter and a half all season long, it was just great to see them put together a complete performance on defense and, for the most part, a good a good job on offense. So, yeah, pretty much the most complete and impressive win I've seen from this team all season long. Well, there's more to talk about. We'll take a quick break here. Uh, coming up in a little bit, we'll be talking to Jason Cole, trying to get the lowdown on this whole rumor that he has, or actually this report he has out there. Tom Sorensen's going to be joining us, and we'll be hearing from our very next enemy. And speaking of enemies, when we come back, Nick and I will look ahead to the team's second trip to New Jersey, this time to play the G-Men. It's the show not hosted by Ned Flanders. That's a dilly of a pickle. Really, it's not Ned Flanders. Oakley dokley. Whatever. CCR will return. All-star fans, all-star content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out non-stop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. 
Not a game, not a game, not a game. Beansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It's time once again for the game that's sweeping the nation. Time for boom or bust. Joining us for the game is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you and your awesomeness ready for the game? My awesomeness is so ready to play this game. Let's do it, John. Let's start you off with Philip Rivers versus the Titans. Well, I expect a lot of points in this game, which is why I think Rivers is a boom. The Chargers are going to air it out. They're going to try to beat Tennessee with the passing attack. So I think Rivers is going to put up some big numbers on Sunday. Marquez Colston versus the Bucks. You know, I actually see Tampa Bay doing a fairly good job slowing Colston down. If they put a keep Kaleeb on him, he won't be able to have a major impact on this game. The thing is, New Orleans, they have way more weapons than just Colston, uh, who I think is going to be a bust. So I think New Orleans is going to find plenty of success in the passing attack, but it's not going to be with Marquez Colston. Tom Brady versus the Jaguars. Well, Brady should boom against Jacksonville, and the main reason is because of what's happened with the whole Randy Moss situation last few weeks. Wes Welker has really stepped his game up, and it seems as if Moss is back on track, so Brady should have no problems putting up big numbers. He'll boom. Steven Jackson versus the Cardinals. I think like so many times this season, Steven Jackson's going to get his numbers, he's going to get his carries, he's going to put up some nice yards, but you better believe the Rams are still going to struggle. Jackson, though, is going to be a boom once again. Peyton Manning versus the Jets. Well, I think Peyton is now, he's the front runner to win the MVP, especially after what happened to Drew Brees uh, against the Cowboys. Peyton put up some great numbers against Jacksonville in a meaningless game last week, and I think he does the same in a meaningless game against the Jets. Manning will boom. Marion Barber versus the Redskins. You know, after seeing the success other teams have had against the Redskins, it's tough to believe that Marion Barber won't find success as well. I know the Dallas passing game is probably going to be the side of the football that's showcased the most, but you better believe Barber's going to put up some nice numbers and help the Cowboys. He's a boom as well. All right, Steve Smith versus the Panthers. Ah, that would be the giant Steve Smith. You know, his numbers, they've fallen off just a bit after his fantastic start of the season. That's not a whole lot, uh, but I think it's because a lot of the other New York receivers have stepped up big. I don't see the giant Steve Smith putting up big numbers. I think Eli's going to toss that ball around quite a bit, but I don't think Steve Smith sees the ball coming his way quite a bit. And we are seeing double Steve Smith versus the Giants. Yeah, and, and what a game Smitty had against the Vikings on Sunday night. He established the rules and regulations against Minnesota in 89, doing the same thing against the Giants, in my opinion. I think Smitty, they're going to get him the ball in a lot of different situations, and I think he, he puts uh, together back-to-back good games. Eli Manning versus our Panthers. Well, Eli had to change his game up from the beginning of the season where he just had to manage a good running game to now leading an aerial attack. They throw the ball around quite a bit, and I think that continues against the Panthers on Sunday. He's going to be looking for Hakeem Nix, Mario Manningham, the tight end Kevin Boss. I think Eli Manning finds plenty of success, and he's a boom with a couple touchdowns against the Panthers. Will it be Maddie suffice? Will Jake and his finger be back? We don't know yet, but Matt or Jake versus the Giants. Yeah, I think more than likely it's probably going to be Matt Moore, especially after how well he played against Minnesota. And we're seeing him become more confident in the pocket with this team, but I'm not real confident uh, that he'll string two great performances together. I'm worried that he's going to try to force the ball to Steve Smith, which is great for Smitty, but bad for the team. I think Matty suffice is a bust this week. Well, as always, Nick, we do appreciate you playing the game with us. Hey, I appreciate it, John. Thanks. 
revolutionizing the way you listen to your sports. Wait a minute, who are we kidding? It's just a freaking podcast. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio. And welcome back to part two of the Panther Preview. Still with us is Mr. Nick Yeoman. Nick, so we, we were talking in the last segment about Steve Smith and the fact that he is still an asset to this team, but it's going to be Steve Smith versus Steve Smith come Sunday. If I had told you when the season started, one of these guys would have 90 catches, one would have 60 catches, would you have believed that it would have turned out like this? No, I, I, I really wouldn't have because I, I I thought Jake DeLone was going to bounce back and have no problem getting Steve Smith the ball, and, and it seemed like Smitty was just getting better with age. And obviously there's a lot of factors that have hurt uh, the Panthers, Steve Smith, but at the same time, yeah, you mentioned it, the, the Steve Smith for the Giants has been fantastic, and, and the Giants are really starting to put together a, a nice late-season run. They're trying to get into the playoffs. So, no, I wouldn't have believed you there, but uh, would you believe that the rats up there in the Meadowlands actually get bigger uh, when it gets colder outside? I would believe it. I mean, they got to come in looking for warmth, you know, and, and try to find food, you know. Yeah, those, I, those suckers are huge. Every time you drop a nacho, I'm going to be right there to get it. You know, it just, they, <laughs> gotta they be careful when you're up there. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, the interesting, and I, I didn't know this. I, I hadn't looked at stats because you know we all know stats are for losers. But our Steve Smith, Smitty, you know the, the our Steve Smith, uh, ninety or excuse me, sixty catches for the year, and actually is still on pace to have a thousand yard year, despite the fact that he started off so slow. But it's that other Steve Smith we talked about, the fact that the guy's got 90 catches, has been really hot at times this season, but his quarterback, Eli Manning, I'm sorry if there are Giants fans listening, all two of you, uh, Eli Manning, I'm sorry, I've always thought he was overrated, but the stats he's put up this year, pretty darn impressive. Do you think he's overrated, or do you think he's finally getting over being, you know, this big hype machine and actually turning into a good quarterback? Yeah, you know, see, I think in a way he's become a bit underrated because he came in with a lot of hype and then everyone thought, well, he's just not going to be as good as his brother. He's not cut to make it in New York City. He's, you know, up against some of these other NFC East quarterbacks. He's not that good. And, and I think in a way he's just kind of gone along, took it in stride, and he's put up some big numbers. He's already won himself a Super Bowl, and, and he's now officially a quarterback. That, you know what? you got to worry about. So I, I think Eli is, in a way, I think he's become a little underrated, but underrated or overrated, you still got a game plan for him because he can hurt you. Because as you mentioned, he's got Steve Smith, he's got Mario Manningham, Akeem Nix, he's got some good targets, a good offensive line, a pretty decent running game. So yeah, Eli Manning is a solid quarterback and one the Panthers got a game plan for. I know last year, there, it seems to be that maybe, maybe the, this being the NFL, the one that we all know from season to season, anything can change for the better or even for the worse. Um, ask the Titans, for instance. You can even ask the Giants. I mean, number one seed last year, now they're just fighting to get in. But last year, we go into the Meadowlands, and everybody's talking about that Giants pass rush and how incredible they are and how they rotate guys in and out. Now, suddenly, there's a question about them. There's a question about their secondary. I mean, are they as good as they were advertised to be last year? No, they're, they're not, and they're not even as good as they were advertised at the beginning of the season. You remember, they made some, you know, they brought in Chris Canny from the uh, Dallas Cowboys, and, and uh, on paper, that giant defensive line and that front seven, boy, they, they just look ferocious. I know they've had a lot of, a lot of injuries hurt them, but 
Uh, you know, the funny thing is, you talk about last year's game, they came in with that pass rushing defense, and the Panthers just kind of let those pass rushers go right by them, and D'Angelo Williams right up the middle for four touchdowns. So it's going to be interesting, though. Uh, there may, they may just be a bunch of names this year. Who knows if they can actually put it together and, and make a run for the playoffs, but they're still a good, I mean, they're a good chunk of players. they got a solid core there, and, and if they continue to fight over some of the injuries they've had to battle through, uh, they're a good defense, and, and one you got to watch out for, not just this Sunday, but in the playoffs if they're able to get in. All right, we've talked about their Steve Smith. We've talked about Eli. Who else will our defense have to focus on this Sunday? Well, you've got to look at that running game, and you got to look at Brandon Jacobs. I mean, he is a monster in there. Of course, Chris Harris was able to put a nice little lick on him in last year's game, but if you're not able to slow him down, um, then he'll really hurt you. And then, you go, of course, they've got the change up when they can throw a mod Bradshaw at you. Of course, no more Derek Ward, who just torched the Panthers. But I think it's got to be that running game. That the two-headed monster they have right now is still something that you gotta you gotta watch out for. And if they get rolling, big old Brandon Jacobs gets rolling downhill. Uh, he's gonna be tough to stop. And then, of course, our offense versus what used to be, or we thought was a much better, especially much better pass rush. Our offense versus that Giants defense. Well, that offensive line is gonna have to give Matt Moore some time, and I was surprised going up against as good a defensive line as Minnesota had that they gave Matt Moore as much time and, and Matt Moore he's you know he's getting more confident confident in the pocket and he looked pretty good so the offensive line has got to be key they got to open some holes for that running game which I think the Panthers can win without a great running game they have to have a solid effort from them and uh, and really I just think it starts up front you got to give Matt Moore some time I know they tried that rollout with Matt Moore on Sunday night against the Vikings it seemed to work maybe they'll do that again this Sunday, but let's uh, get down to the brass tax time. Uh, your prediction for this game? You know, I, I like the Panthers' chances, but at the same time, this has let down, kind of written all over it, especially when you consider that the Panthers are coming off the big win, and the Giants, uh, and the Giants, of course, look great against the Redskins. I hope the Panthers bring that same intensity that they had against the Vikings, though, but I just don't know if the offense is going to be able to put up enough points I think I'm going to take the Giants in this one, 28-17. The Panthers might be in, in the game to the end of it, uh, but I think the Giants are just a little too hungry to uh, let the Panthers sneak up on them. Well, Nick, as always, we appreciate you being with us for the preview. Now if we can just talk you into sticking around for maybe a pick em segment. Yeah, no problem, John. This is Cat Crave Radio. Our guest now is Jason Cole, columnist for Yahoo Sports. Jason, thanks for being with us. Jason, I noticed a report that you filed last week concerning John Fox and Marty Herney's future. Tell us what you've learned. Well, what I've learned, at least the, the opinion of, uh, of a couple of people outside that organization, is that they don't think that there's going to be a change made uh, at head coach with John Fox or Marty Herney uh, because they're not sure that uh, owner Jerry Richardson has the cash to buy those guys out. You know, it's going to cost them at least six million dollars to do that this year, if not a little bit more. And people are unsure that he's willing to pay that amount of money to buy them out of their final year of their contract. And uh, and Jerry's a little bit more pragmatic uh, and, and patient, so I think that he'll look at this season as you know there were some reasons that they fell, and maybe those reasons can be corrected. Well, there's the money, and I think there's a roughly six million dollar buyout on John Fox's contract alone which is a, I mean, that's a lot of dead money to pay to a coach that you fired. But 
there's been talk about the CBA, the negotiations that are probably going to drag well into the spring, the summer, and could wind up leading to a lockout in 2011. Could that have any impact on a decision about a coach and a general manager? I think that there'll be, there's going to be some caution. Ultimately, though, I think most owners know in the back of their minds, look, they're going to play football in 2011. It's going to get a little ugly, and you know there may be months of bickering back and forth, you know, labor tension and things like that. But also, ultimately, at the end of the day, those sides are going to get together because there's too much money to not figure out uh, a, a settlement and not figure out a way to get this done. So, to me, um, this is not necessarily, you know, going to hold anybody up drastically. The one thing that, you know, some of the smaller market teams are going to with is when there's a decrease in revenue sharing. And, I, and it's not going to be a huge decrease. You know, that's not a big change in the TV money. That's what we're going to change. But there's going to be probably a smaller end change in terms of, you know, seat, seat licensing and, you know, a lot of the end, in, you know, in the stadium advertising and, you know, all the ancillary income that these teams generate, you know, particularly teams like Washington and the New York Giants, uh, they're not going to be share. They don't want to share as much anymore with teams that don't want to raise that kind of money, say the Cincinnati's. And I think, you know, Carolina's probably got, doesn't raise as much money as some of the others. So there's going to be a decrease in that. And that's going to affect some decisions. And this, this is an example of one of those. And this may be a little bit of a sidetrack, uh, considering what we were talking about with, with John Fox, Marty Herney, but the CBA negotiations, I, I, there's always talk from both sides. The league is going to talk tough. You know, the union's going to talk tough. Is the, a lot of that just kind of blustering? Are they just talking and just trying to play tough in public? and then behind closed doors actually trying to work out the details, or is there a real possibility that this gets really messy come the spring and summer? Well, I don't think there's actually going to be any change in the tone of what you hear in spring and summer. It's going to be pretty much the same that you hear now, which is, oh, well, we'd love to get a deal done. We've talked. We've held another meeting. We've talked. We'd love to get a deal done. We're not going to go backwards. We'd like to get another deal done. I mean, it's going to be that same rhetoric until you get to probably about February 2011. Because, really, the, the teams want to go through an uncapped year. They don't have a problem with an uncapped year at this point in time. Because so many teams are not, they're not up against the cap on the high end. They're not spending, you know, to the, to the absolute limit, which is about $128 million right now. Most of those teams are a good 5 6 even $10 million under the cap. You know, there's just not enough... There are not enough good players to spend money on. And so I think a lot of teams are going to say, look, next year, we can play next year at you know, $80 million for some of these teams, and they're going to skim $20, $30, $40 million off the cap, pocket that money, get their books right, get everything in line, and then say in 2011, you know, let's come back and, and basically get a deal done now, but we want a reduction on the percentage that we have to play. And so... I think that that's ultimately going to happen. And, you know, again, spring and summer, you know, you can listen to all that rhetoric, but nothing's going to get done. It just it doesn't make any financial sense for the owners. Well, if we're talking about the potential, I mean, maybe this is having some, some effect on all decisions, every football decision that any organization is going to make, and there's always that chance they keep Fox around 
really CBA or no CBA, the money they would owe him as a buyout is, I mean, that's huge money, uh, $6 million for a coach that no longer works for you. If he does stick around, could we see major changes in his coaching staff? You could. I'm not sure that, you know, it's hard for coaches who are on one-year deals to change their staffs. So if you're not going to extend his contract, it's going to be hard for you to bring in assistant coaches. You're going to pretty much have to stay with the guys that you have. You know, you might have some low-level assistants who are willing to take a job because, you know, they have no other options. But um, anybody anybody who wants to change jobs, move in there, you know, come in from some other place, they're going to be looking for a two- or three-year deal. In all honesty, John Fox can't offer that. And, um, you know, maybe they'll offer a two-year deal and you get the money, but you'd be out on the street looking for work again if the year doesn't work out very well. So that's a really hard thing to do to bring in new coaches um, if you're not going to give your coach an extension. Well, a lot of the fans are talking about John Fox, obviously. I mean, a 12-4 and season, that was great, but they felt like that was just a you know one-time thing. And their feeling is, I mean, it's to a point here that, that everybody seems to like Firefox as a web browser more than any other, you know, because they don't want John Fox around. Sure. Uh, you've got an organization that doesn't really want to let him go, but let's say they did. Uh, who would be maybe one or two? Let's go two potential replacements if they did let him go. Well, obviously, you got Bill Cower, who's living in Carolina, um, you know, North Carolina, and people are going to be clamoring for him to come back. I would say that that's problematic to me because you know, after you've been out of coaching for a couple of years, it's a hard grind to get back into. I think that a lot of guys, you know, they, they get to like that life away from football uh, and understand that you, know, you can make a lot of money talking on TV or doing a couple of commercials or some speaking engagements, and it's a whole lot easier than grinding 60, 80 hours a week. So, you know, Cower, you know, he would jump to the front because I think he'd be a favorite among Panthers fans. Uh, but I think more realistically, you're looking at somebody, you know, say younger with, um, you know, an opportunity to prove himself, you know, a Kyle Shanahan, a, a Brian Schottenheimer, someone of that ilk is probably more in line with with what, you know, a team like the Car- Carolina's going to do if they're not going to be paying more than three, you know, two or three million dollars a year on this job. They might want to go with somebody who's younger and cheaper. If they want to go with Cowher, it's going to cost them six, seven million dollars a year. And yeah, I, you know, it's again, does he really want to do the job? And uh, does he really want to work those hours? That's the question that has to be asked. Yeah, this could be one of the more interesting off seasons in uh, in team history in our short history. But we'll have to let this thing uh, play out, I suppose, over the dead months of winter. Jason, we, uh, we do appreciate you uh, taking time to be with us and talk about this coaching situation. No problem. Anytime. There's still more to come. Stay with us for more CCR. Hi, this is Joe Perry. And Steven Tyler of Aerosmith for Red. You know, it's okay to rock and roll and party down. Just don't get in that 2,000-pound bullet when you're done and cocked. And please don't drink and drive. Someone that jaded you. A reminder that friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council, U.S. Department of Transportation, National Association of Broadcasters, and RAD. 
It's time once again to pick some games. Joining us this week for that is Mr. Nick Yeoman. I should say joining us, as always, is Nick Yeoman. Uh, Nick, last week you uh, you got nine right, seven wrong, and for the season, 152 and 69. Yeah, the overall record looks pretty good. Uh, hot streaks come to an end, so maybe we'll uh, just struggle on down there. I'm just kidding. Let's try to finish this off with a bang. We'll start you off with Chargers and Titans. Well, the Titans have won seven of eight, but that's you know really nothing compared to the nine straight the Chargers have ripped off. This should be one heck of a game if the Chargers feel like there's something to play for. Tennessee needs this win to stay alive in the playoff chase, and you know what? I think they get it at home against San Diego. I'm going to take the Titans. Bucks and Saints. Well, there it was. The Saints finally lost their first game of the season, and with Minnesota losing to Carolina, they don't have a whole lot to play for, uh, but I think they'll be hungry enough at the beginning of this game to jump out on Tampa Bay early and coast to another win. Texans and Dolphins. Well, this is a, a pivotal AFC wild card game with the loser pretty much being eliminated from playoff contention. I like the Dolphins here at home and more solid play from Chad Henney. I'm not sure if the Miami fans know how good Henney could end up being for the Finns, uh, but I see him at least good enough to help them lead to a win over the Texans this Sunday. Seahawks and Packers. Well, Green Bay lost a heartbreaker last Sunday to the Steelers, but I see them bouncing back and taking it out on Seattle. The Seahawks pretty much did the unthinkable and dropped the game to Tampa Bay. I'm not sure they put up much of a fight against the Pack. I'm going to take the Cheeseheads here. Raiders and Browns. Well, Oakland did what they've been doing all year, which is, you know, beating teams like Denver, which they have no business doing. I like Cleveland here, though, and back-to-back big games from Josh Cribbs and Jerome Henderson, or uh, Jerome Harrison, excuse me. I like Cleveland here. Jaguars and Patriots. Well, as the Jaguars' schedule has gotten more difficult at the end of the season, I think we've seen that their early season success was a bit of a mirage. I think the Patriots have refocused a bit. I see them knocking off the Jags on Sunday, and I think they're going to make the playoffs pretty easily. Chiefs and Bengals. I don't see how this game doesn't go to the Bengals. They lost an emotional game to the Chargers, but they should get back to their winning ways against the Chiefs. Kansas City is just a mess, and it doesn't look like that franchise has any direction right now, so I'm going to take the Bengals for the win. Ravens and Steelers. Well, these two teams, they don't like each other. They always battle to the bitter end, and this time a possible wild card berth is on the line. The last time they played, Baltimore won, but Pittsburgh had Dennis Dixon at quarterback, not Ben Roethlisberger. I think that makes a big difference. I think Big Ben helps the Steelers pick up the win. Bills and Falcons. Well, neither of these teams have been able to put up a ton of points. Atlanta because, you know, they've missed a few key players, and Buffalo because, well, they're the Bills. That's just what they do. I like the Falcons, though. I heard Roddy White came out and said that although, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs, they really want to finish off the season with a winning record and string the franchise's first back-to-back winning seasons together. I think they get win number eight against the Bills. Rams and Cardinals. Well, with Tampa Bay picking up their second win, I think we can officially crown the Rams the worst team in the league. The Cardinals should have absolutely no problem with St. Louis this Sunday. I'm going to take Arizona. Lions and Niners. Well, the Lions are another team that they make a short list of worst teams in 2009. Maybe the Lions are the worst team of the decade. I know everybody's handing out these decade awards, so that may go to the Lions. The 49ers, they're about as mediocre of a team as you're going to find, and I think they're just mediocre enough to pick up the win over Detroit. Broncos and Eagles. Well, with Minnesota and New Orleans slipping up just a bit, I really think Philadelphia might be the team to beat in the NFC 
Denver, in my opinion, is a one-and-done playoff team, and I think it shows when they play one of the better teams in the NFL. I'm going to take Philly. Jets and Colts. Well, the Colts are the last team now to remain undefeated, and I just don't see the Jets snapping that record of consecutive regular season wins for Indy. That Colts defense is going to make it tough for Mark Sanchez. Manning and the Colts take care of business and move on to 15-0. and Cowboys and Redskins. Well, the Redskins have packed it in, and the Cowboys are eyeing a, a potential playoff spot. Well, but I think don't think for a second that the Redskins aren't going to give the Cowboys a good game. It is a rivalry game. These two teams don't like each other. So I'm going to take Dallas for the win, but don't be surprised if the Redskins are in it to the end. Vikings and Bears. Well, I think it's safe to say that the Jay Cutler experiment is going to end up giving Bears fans a heart attack, but I like Favre and the Vikings here. I think people are going to make too much of this whole Brad Childress, Brett Favre deal. I see Minnesota bouncing back with a win against Chicago. And once more with feeling, the Panthers and Giants. I want to pick them, I really do, but I just think the Giants have way too much to play for. They are right in the thick of a playoff uh, chase, and I just don't think the Panthers can string together two back-to-back great games because they're not going to need just a good game to win. They would need a great performance. I don't see it happening. I'm taking the Giants. Well, Nick, as always, we appreciate you picking the games for us, and we'll continue to keep score. Hey, sounds good, John. Thanks. We're glad you're along for the ride. Welcome back to CCR. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. You know, we've added a new method for you to stay in touch with us. If you've been paying attention, I'm sure you've noticed. You can now call us on the Cat Crave Radio hotline. Call 206-350-9673 and leave us a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the team or the show. Good, bad, and different doesn't matter. We just want to know what you're thinking. Call us at 206-350-9673. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Manning drops straight back, deep set, looks, delivers one right, wide open, Vaughn at the 10. Stops at the 5, cuts at the 2, cuts down Kevin Vaughn. It's time now to hear from the enemy. This week's enemy, well, we've been there once already this season to play the Jets in the Meadowlands. Now it's time for the Giants. Representing the New York Giants is Andrew Corselli, the lead writer over at G-Men HQ. Dot com. Andrew, thanks for being with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, Andrew, Eli Manning gets a lot of pub. If we're not looking up and seeing him in a commercial, then we hear a lot of talk about him. And with the deal you guys made to pick him up, you know, a lot was going to be placed on him. We knew that everybody thought he would do great things. And there have been times that he's been mentioned as overrated. Are you a believer in Eli Manning? Absolutely. I am. And I'll tell you why. Last night he was solid against the Skins. He played solidly. And the week before that, against the Iggs, he was really on point, 391 yards. If the defense plays well in that Eagles game, they win. It's not Eli's fault when they lose. Sheridan is kind of, he's not the best defensive coordinator. He did well last night, but it's not, you can't blame everything on Eli. I'm, I'm, to answer your question, I'm an Eli fan, and I'm a, definitely a believer in him. I think he's got what it takes. He's already a Super Bowl MVP. What more do you want from him? Well, do you see, I mean, he started off struggling a bit. I mean, there were times that the fans were getting on him pretty hard. Uh, do you see that, I mean, do you see that he is getting that maturity? I mean, that he's starting to come around to be that guy? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he was throwing darts last night. He, he looked good. And, I mean, if you're not playing well in New York, you're going to hear about it, regardless of how well you could play. So, I mean, the, the fans, I mean, getting booed, that's not really 
I, I think, and a, a big worry for him. I just think he's got to go out and do his thing and keep playing the way he's playing. I, I absolutely believe in Eli, definitely. Well, there have been changes with your team. You know, the Plaxico Burris thing, I mean, that story, the way it played out, I mean, such a, a, a big, big story, especially what happened with him. Losing him, and then you guys went out and, and drafted Hakeem Nix from here in North Carolina, by the way. And, and it looks like you, you, you're seeing uh, a difference in your receivers now. Do you think they're improving? I mean, is this becoming the group that you want them to be? I, I hope so. Uh, you, like you said, Nix is, is incredible. He's awesome. Manningham's great. Steve Smith is great. And I, I do. I absolutely think this, is a, this could be a great core of receivers for Eli to grow and build with and just build something awesome on. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Nix came out of UNC just like LT did back in the day. I mean, they're, they're this. I'm very impressed with this receiving core. I think Knicks has got speed. They all bring something to the table, and I, I love that about them. I think Eli's got a great core to work with and a great set of group guys to work with. Who do you think is going to be the better Steve Smith in this game? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Giants' Steve Smith, but, I mean, with the way your Steve Smith played last week, I hope he doesn't do that again. I mean, what do you have, like 150 yards or something like that? Yeah, 157. Like that. Yeah, buck 57 and nine catches, but... We all know, I mean, you, your Steve Smith has the, you know, the 90 catches, ours has the 60, thanks to some pretty poor quarterback play. But uh, your defense, you mentioned this just a little bit ago, and that's, you know, how it's not necessarily Eli's fault if the defense doesn't have a good night. And watching that game when you guys played Philly a couple of weeks ago, I mean, the defense really did not have a good day. But it seems your pass defense has been a little suspect at times. Is that the weak link? For the Giants, yeah, absolutely. There's no question. Their their secondary is banged up, and they've been getting burned. Like, like you said, that Eagles game. It was, it was like they, my sister could have gone out there and did a better job. But I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if if they keep playing like they did two weeks ago, your Steve Smith is going to have 300 yards. But if they play like they did last night. Who knows? I mean, it could be very. It could be a blowout. But I mean, it, it's it all depends. Like Terrell Thomas has got to step up. Like they all do. But like I said last night, they were playing the Redskins, so you can't. It's not a very good barometer of how or judge of how well they're going to play. But I mean, they definitely the secondary is the key to the game. I think one of the keys to the game. If you can give us an update on, say, the Giants' injury situation, who might miss the game? Who's a little banged up right now? I'm not sure. It's still early, but I think that I think Snee. I'm not sure about um, Aaron Ross and uh, yeah, I think Aaron Ross and one other guy might not be uh, playing, but. It's, Still early in the week, so who knows? So you guys actually would have more injuries coming into this game in in the secondary. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me give you a chance here now. If um, and, and I'm sure that you've got a lot more confidence about this game than we do. I mean, you know, Panthers fans right now, we're uh, we're not feeling all that great about ourselves. Glad to see the win over the Vikings, but how do you think your Giants will do? What's your prediction for the game? I'm predicting another uh, all-out war like last year. I'm thinking like. 2017 G-Men, but I mean, I would never predict the Giants' loss. So, I mean, it's going to be close. It's going to be a good game. It's the punch-them-in-the-mouth, sock them game. It's, it's going to be a, a war, I think. Probably going to be bitter cold out there, swirling winds of the Meadowlands. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping 2017 G-Men, but if you guys shut the run down like you did last week against the Vikes, who knows? Yeah, we'll walk away with an easy victory, but... We'll have to see how this one goes. Maybe it's another game like we saw last year, and I, I definitely, I hope it's at least entertaining. But uh, again, uh, we've uh, we've been talking to Andrew Corselli, the lead writer over at G Men HQ, 
www.thecoachesmarket.com. Andrew, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. This is Cat Crave Radio. We're joined now by Tom Sorensen, Charlotte Observer columnist. Tom, thanks for being with us. Oh, it's about to be this show. Thank you. Tom, that Sunday night game against Minnesota, I mean, where where has that been all season? You know, I mean, I think bad teams, average teams, bad to average teams can have good games. I mean, you saw, you know, Oakland went to Denver and beat Denver. Pittsburgh, which has been struggling, beat Green Bay, which has been hot. Uh, it's just the beauty of the NFL is it's not like a lot of sports where the better team always wins. I mean, you get surprises. And, uh, uh, you know, Dallas surprised New Orleans Saturday night, and then uh, Panthers surprised Vikings on Sunday night. But, you know, it means if they played again, the result would be the same. I just that that Panthers had themselves uh, a really good performance. Well, and Matt Moore, very good game, solid game. But they allowed him, the coaches seemed to loosen things up. I mean, 33 passes in that game against a team that has a pretty stout defense. Do, they, do you think they're starting to show a little more confidence in him, that they're getting more comfortable with him out there as the quarterback? Maybe, but you know, keep in mind, the uh, Panthers only had one touchdown at the end of the third quarter. You know, and then they, they they had that one call back on the next to last play, and then Moore was sacked, and then he peeked through the touchdown pass. And maybe that touchdown pass is what, uh, the one to Smith, is what got up the 42-yarders, what got them on track. But, you know, the, the way that the plays have been called, I think, is just debilitating. I think it's bad for morale. I think it's, it's, put, it's put the fans to sleep. I mean, some of those early series last night were just, you know, it, it rendered us comatose. Uh, I was excited about that game. I remember telling myself, stay awake, do not fall asleep. <laughs> it just was, uh, it, it, it's so frustrating. And uh, I just, I don't really understand it. I think that, uh, you know, I think that's something Fox has to answer for. I mean, I know his theory is, you know, win with defense and don't lose an offense. But there are times when you got you got to go. I don't think, see, what a lot of people are going to say now is the Panthers are blessed with talent. And they, this is, they should have been all year long. But they're not blessed with talent. You know, I heard some guys called Musin Muhammad a playmaker. I like Musin personally. He's not a playmaker. And they're not blessed with a great deal of talent. Their, their talent is about average. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens with any game, how they restructure things next season, what they do in the front office, what they do with the coaching, and who comes back and who goes, and, you know, the, all the great likelihood of no salary cap. I think it's going to be compelling. And we'll have to see. Maybe they'll add no-dos. They'll start handing those out at the gates with, you know, here's your here's my ticket, give me my no-dos so I don't fall asleep. But you, you, you mentioned John Fox, uh, the front office. Uh, there's the possibility, and, and there's a report out there. I'm not sure if you've seen this or not. There are some reports that Fox and Herney would come back, and, of course, rumors I will abound. I wrote it. It was just a throwaway line. He admitted. I think he just said he had some source, and he was pretty vague about it. He's not a guy who covers his team, so somebody from another team told him that, that they're going to bring Herney and Fox back, and it would save him $6 million. But I don't know if there's any credence to that. Do you think that they, I mean, because of, we've got the uncapped year coming up, that that Jr. would look at that and say, well, you know, it's six, six and a third, I think, million, which is a huge number. Do you think he's going to look at that and maybe the injuries? Do you think he would bring Fox back? He might. Uh, you know, I, but right now, like everybody else, I'm doing his guessing. But I would not put any credence to that report. Jerry Richardson, in the time he's on this team, has never done anything solely because of money. You know, he's he's always been willing to spend. And I don't think he would undermine this team just to, to save a few bucks. 
Okay, now Steve Smith, uh, he was just, <laughs> the guy was on versus Minnesota a huge night. I think 157 with nine catches uh, would have had a, had one touchdown called back, scored on the same possession anyway. The guy just was, he was on. But recently, and it seems like the last two or three weeks with the, the offense struggling so much and he wasn't getting the ball, he seemed kind of discontent and and he was dropping these hints as if he he had things to say, he just wouldn't say these things. Do you think he's going to keep it quiet, keep that in the clubhouse, or is he just one of these days going to just let it all hang out? The Steve you get on Monday might not be the Steve you get on Wednesday, might not be the Steve you get on Thursday. It just uh, depends what kind of mood he's in. You know, he he did not want to talk after practice Wednesday. He, he was telling somebody something about the hood from which he comes. And so I said, well, the hood from which I come, you got to try to talk to people even if they don't want to talk. He laughed. He still wouldn't talk, but I, it was worth trying. But I, I found it. He's been interested in the locker room. And, you know, whether he'll go off or not, I, I, he has to be frustrated. I mean, here's a guy who showed his whole game last night, and they have not been taking advantage of that. They tried in a way, but just all these draw plays and just the, the idea that you go into games playing so safely, it just it's really not much fun to watch, and it can't be much fun to play in. I mean, think about it. They go through mini camp. They go through... Um, um, the other mini camp, they go through training camp. They practice almost every day. They get one day off a week. All they get after all that is this tepid, safe, almost embarrassing offense. And uh, uh, it just is, uh, it, you know, it's sad. And, and I think that Steve just gets worn down. I think I think they all do. But, you know, he's sort of a, a leader in that team he, in his own way. And he's sort of a senior spokesman in his own way. And, uh, you know, when he talks, people listen. And the thing about Smith, real quick, or I haven't been real quick, but he's, he's, he's interesting to talk to because he's smart and he's curious. He's got a real engaging, curious intellect. I mean, he's like we're saying in the sense that they can talk about anything and just about key plays. And uh, yeah, that's why I, I talk to those guys. Okay, I'll give you a couple of statements. You tell me if you agree or disagree. Sure. There's the chance... And it looks like more and more all the time, this is actually going to become a reality. An uncapped year is coming in 2010 with teams either getting ready to spend big and some teams that are in the smaller markets like the Panthers who may or may not trim their payroll. The Panthers can remain competitive in an uncapped year. Absolutely. I mean, look at a small market baseball team like Minnesota and they make the playoffs and they beat a team like Detroit that spends a fortune. You know, the Redskins have been just a testimony to uh, uh, wanton spending. And the guy they, they just hired from Tampa as a GM, uh, you know, he, he did not have a great record down there. Uh, and he was linked with Gruden. That's, I'm curious about that. You know, the, the Redskins are going to go out and they're, they're going to spend a lot of money and they got like Julius Peppers. And the Panthers are just going to have to be smart and wise. But, they yeah, they can compete, certainly. Well, let's hope so. And it should be an interesting uh, dead of winter for us here and a really interesting spring, too. So we'll see how things go. But, Tom, as always, we appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Always. I enjoyed you on the show, and I appreciate you having me on. Will John Fox be back for another year? I suppose that's a question we can't wait to answer. There's still some football to be played this season, though. Remember last year in that 12-4 and season? Now keep in mind the losses that hurt the most. Arizona in the playoffs? That one hurt the most, yes. 
Early in the season with Smitty, coming back from a two-game suspension, the team lost in Minnesota and received a beatdown at the hands of the Vikings. Both losses have been avenged this year. There's one more. Late in that 2008 season, with the number one seed on the line, the Panthers lost to the Giants in overtime at the Meadowlands. Is this week another payback game? And if it is, can Carolina pull it off? If this team continues to play inspired defense and the offense continues to improve, they stand a good chance on Sunday. Maybe they can do it. I'm not so sure. My prediction, Giants 21, Panthers 17. I want to thank Jason Cole for speaking to us this week. Jason's columns can be located on the web at Yahoo Sports. Our appreciation to Tom Sorensen for providing his insights. Tom's work is found in the Charlotte Observer. My thanks to Andrew Corselli for being with us and for being a good sport. Andrew can be found at gmanhq.com. And as always, my thanks to Nick Yeoman for being such a big part of the show and for providing us with his awesomeness. His videos can be found on YouTube by searching for Big Nick 2700. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Give us a follow on Twitter, and we promise we'll follow you back. We're listed at twitter.com slash catcraveradio. And don't miss your chance to tell the world how you feel by calling the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material, copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old day. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.